Welcome to the Kosafa Show with Mark Gleason and Nick Said. Welcome to our 60th episode of the Kusafa Show, where we'll have part one of an exclusive interview with the South African Football Association President, Danny Ordan, as he discusses Bafana Bafana and their journey under coach Hugo Bruce. We'll also hear from a trio of legends as former Ghana striker Asimo Gian, ex-Netherlands international Clarence Seidorf, and the former Bafana Bafana captain Lucas Redebe speak at the recent CAF African Schools Football Championship finals that were played in Durban. But first we hear from Danny Ordan as he speaks about the trials and tribulations of the Africa Cup of Nations qualification campaign that ultimately ended in success as South Africa booked a ticket to the Ivory Coast in January. As president of SAFA, was it more a sense of relief than anything else when the boys got to the Cup of Nations? I mean, they did make us uh, supporters really sit on the edge of our seats before they clinched qualification. All of us were sitting in In fact, I was not sitting on my seat anymore when it was 2-2. You see, I think what was important about this qualification is that when uh, Hugo Bruce was appointed, he came into the position and said, I don't want any 30-year-old in the Bafana team because I want to build the team. And if you are 30, 34, there's nothing to fight for. You've seen everything. you achieved everything. There's no fire. There's no desire. So I'm looking for young boys. So when he announced the first team, the first Bafana team, I think uh, everybody in the country was shocked because uh, he found the team with Itumalankune, with Seth Weil, uh, with Keegan Dolly, with Zungu, with Kamuhelo, with Dean Furman, all of those. Things. There was no coach who over a period of more than five years would start a team without those players. And here he come, not a single one of those players were in his team. And he had young boys whose names were not known to the South African public. So they were very skeptical. But as he moved along, we had 11 un- matches unbeaten. And then, of course, uh, there was the setback with a match against Ghana. And, and it was just to see uh, the Boko Makwena uh, and Rushin Darut, who at that stage were central in the team, crying in disappointment that they had not beaten Ghana because they beat Ghana home. They should have, well, they said Percy scored the second goal, the referee didn't allow it. So they really felt that the project that they embarked on uh, the build a new Bafana was derailed in the sense there. And yeah, we are back again. They won again, beat uh, a number of teams uh, from uh, Sierra Leone, uh, played against Mozambique, Angola, uh, and then had to win this match in, in there. Now, of course, first half, I think they scored, they played very, very well. And they could have cleaned the match uh, for 5 0 at halftime. And they didn't. And then they were on the verge of losing the match. So I think the coach also saw his whole project collapsing in front of his eyes. And the next morning I went to see him uh, and spoke to him about it. And I, I said, in a sense, I could understand uh, your feeling that here the project that you built over 10 months, you thought it's now a peak period to peak for the team. They showed it in the first 15, 20 minutes and then something went. And uh, so, yeah, I, I I went to speak to them. I went to speak to the players and I said, Monrovia, Liberia, 
is a time for you to go back and to fight. Because, of course, we had a setback, but every setback needs a comeback. And you have to show your commitment, your fight for that comeback, both as a coach, technical team, and as a players. So they uh, left determined to qualify. And qualification in, in, in African football is difficult. You must It's not going to bring you through pretty football. And the coach realized that, so he made five changes uh, and said, I need fighters here. Uh, it's not going to help to play uh, good football and lose. We must apply ourselves for the conditions that we will meet and we have to qualify. So when they eventually won the match and came back, we were there at the airport to show them that uh, they need to fight to get success on the continent. And, and do you uh, think and, and so they celebrate that they were very happy that we are back. And do you think there's um, potential in this team now? I think maybe it's been a lack of confidence in a way, as you say, it's a young side. Do you think now with a, with a hard-fought victory like that, that there'll be some better self-belief and they can actually, under the radar in Ivory Coast, achieve something? Yes, absolutely. I think they are going to fight in Ivory Coast. You know, I remember when we qualified for 2019, we were in a similar position. And I told Pasitao was there when we was speaking. I said, you guys, you always find the most difficult way to qualify. Yeah, you have to play Libya. You could beat Libya 2-0 and close the deal. No, you played the draw against Libya. Then we had to go to Libya and you now have to beat Libya. And I said, there I saw the ability of South African teams to fight. We are back in the same uh, circumstances now. Uh, so Percy said, yes, I we put ourselves in the hole. We have to take ourselves out. And then that team, after qualification, Libya went to quarterfinal and beat could have Egypt. beat Egypt, could have beat the Nigeria. And first he said to me, he said, I could see Nigeria was finished. Nigeria played long balls, unfortunately. Minutes to go into extra time. The goalkeeper dropped the ball and that's it. We're out of the tournament. But in hindsight, he said, yeah, we could have gone to the final and then anything could happen because we, we should have beaten Nigeria. He said, because Nigeria was finished. He said, uh, I could hear the central defenders huffing and puffing. They were done. And I said to our guy, let's get them into extra time. We'll finish them. But this is football. And, and are you, so, so would you give, what would you give the coach out of, out of 10? Are you, are you happy with his work so far? I mean, he's still got uh, three more years, I think, left on the contract. Yeah, I, I think, but uh, it's, it's years of progress and achievement that we want. So he's qualified for AFCON now. He must go to Cote d'Ivoire. We want to go to the second round. And then it's a knockout stage. And uh, more importantly, we want to see uh, how the team is emerging from from what is starting to ball more than 10 months ago. And I think an early indication is when we play Morocco in June at FNB Stadium, uh, it's going to be probably one of the biggest matches for Bafana Bafana in many, many years. Because they are a quality team, they've managed to beat now, they managed to beat Brazil. Uh, it was a semi-finals from the World Cup, something never achieved by any African team. So it's going to be a huge test for Bafana Bafana at FNB Stadium. And there we'll, we'll get a good sense of uh, if there are any shortcomings in the team, what else must the coach do. Uh, and I, I think the coach is experienced enough to recognize uh, where the challenges are and what else he must do. And I'm happy with the young players who are there. And presumably with nine places, ten places potentially available in the, at the next World Cup, South Africa's got to be there, in your opinion. No, no, absolutely. You see, what I said to them uh, when I was talking to them about why we must qualify for AFCON. First of all, we must qualify AFCON because it is the 24 best teams on the continent. 
that's first. So you have to get there. To go anywhere, you have to get there. So you must understand that. So they've achieved that. The second thing is that now that Africa will have nine and a half teams or nine teams plus a playoff, you must be in the top nine. Because if we are in the top nine, we must all the top nine African countries. And, and that would be Morocco. Uh, it may be Egypt, maybe Algeria, maybe uh, Nigeria, Ghana, and so on. You can list the top nine countries that will be seated in the group. So we have to try and get in there. And and that will be determined as to how we're going to get in the top eight of AFCON. So the pathway is clear, what we want to achieve. So I said to him, uh, this is where we are. If we get there, we should be able to make it to 2026. And how good in your opinion has it been for South African football that Mamalodi Sundowns are consistent challenges for the top club prize on the continent. And what does it say about our league when a team at the bottom of the table can get to the quarterfinals of a Confeds Cup, a tournament that Pirates were runners-up last year? I mean, are we are we a top league? Are we perhaps a little bit under our abilities? Are we shooting over our abilities? What's your opinion about all of that? No, I think that um, it's not good for the league. That with four or five matches to go, uh, the league is done. All the other teams must must fight for second place, cannot fight for the trophy. And that the gap between the top team and the next team is more than 20 points. Uh, of course, it, it just says that uh, we have to find that the league uh, must look at how do we ensure a greater competitiveness in the league. And uh, that is the point that, that one of the coaches raised. They said the problem further is that Sundowns sometimes play completely a second, what would be a second string team, uh, and sometimes a third string team. And the second string team and the third string team of the same club is better than, yes. than the clubs in the league. They said so it can't happen in the English Premier League that Chelsea, Man United, Liverpool are playing a complete uh, second string team. Uh, and beats any team in the league. Uh, so it just shows you the gap between the top club and the rest. Uh, and of course, we, we have to uh, talk about it to see how do we ensure greater competitiveness. I hope that the new season will see clubs uh, seeing this gap that we have been beaten by when Sundown field basically a second-seeing team against us and they beat us. So they have to, to look at that and, and work harder. And, because also in terms of uh, our ranking on the global ranking of leagues, we have dropped as well. So we, we have to, to talk about that and see how we can ensure greater competitiveness. We will have part two of that interview on the next episode of our podcast. Lucas Rodebe was a stalwart for South Africa and English side Leeds United over more than a decade, but he too had humble beginnings in schools football and he outlines his view on why it is so important we put more effort into the game and places of learning. So nice to see you here, Gustav. Yeah. I remember uh, reading your book how your parents sent you from Soweto during the riots in seventy in the seventies to to Zanin, I suppose because they valued the quality of the valued what education could give you. Absolutely, I, I think uh, you know during our time we had limited careers, you know, uh, and I think one of it which I think meant a lot and made our parents proud was to have proper education, you know, and from that education come out uh, a career that. They can be proud of, you know, which is not <laughs> sport, you know. When and uh, obviously those times when uh, there were there were times when uh, we couldn't even go to school. There were times where it was past one, past all, and and you know you start asking questions whether is it worth it. And and uh, after that, I think 
Congress saw the need for me to ship me out, you know, and that's where uh, football was born. And did you play uh, high school football? And how big, if you did, how big was it for you? Uh, you know, that was one of the, I wouldn't say it was a hobby, but that's one of those things that uh, uh, we had uh, uh, Sports Wednesdays, where all the schools uh, in Deep Roof would play against each other. I mean, when you talk about Dr. Kumalo, Shuz Mushweu, we all come from this uh, neighboring schools and we all played against each other, you know, in the dusty fields, you know, in, in Deep Roof. And that's how, you know, we, we grew up and that's how we, we, we learned, you know, our, our, and, and honed our skill, uh, which, which was amazing. And at the later stage, I mean, it says what, 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 what uh, came out of it, you know, uh, representing uh, Bafana Bafana, playing for bigger clubs and, 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 and going and playing a, and, and play, playing abroad, which was absolutely amazing. And, 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 and that journey, because we all now can look back and tell a story about it, which is, which is inspiring. And, and I think the current players to take a leaf out of that. And the standard in Soweto in particular, Orlando High yeah. is very famous oh, for the players it produced. The standard was good, was it not? The standard was absolutely brilliant. But you realize that, uh, you know, if you play against Dali Wonga, you're playing against Dr. You're playing Madiban, you're playing against Shoes, the late Shoes Mushoe. You, you go to other schools, Taka, uh, Likopa. It was, it was, it was talent at its best. And, you know, there's no restrictions. And that's where you see football, you know, uh, exciting skills from exciting individuals which was top I think you could you, you, you could come in the afternoon when uh, uh, all the schools are playing and you see the crowd that is, has come to watch and support you know uh, uh, us it was absolutely amazing and, and, and that encouraged us you know to give our best when we go in there I remember I used to do scissors kicks and follow you know at some point I ended up in the hospital because I overdo <laughs> overdo things and, and that was how you know where we we, 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 we've grown and how we become where we are today. And you were scouted there as well. Did, did, did not the, the big clubs of those days spend a lot of time on, on the Wednesdays looking at the school talent and picking boys to come and play in the, in the senior teams? Absolutely. That's why, you know, when it comes to Soweto Derby, you see it's exactly Soweto Derby because most of us come from Soweto. And, uh, and, and that's where, you know, uh, Jomo, you know, uh, used to come and, and, and pick uh, his players because... That's, that's where you get the talent, the raw talent, and then you can develop it. Even if we never had academies those days, but it was pure talent and it was pure inspiration. It was pure, uh, uh, it was the love of the game. Oh, Mark, it was unbelievable, you know, and we felt having to play, you know, and representing our schools then, it was something bigger than because we become a hero, yes. you know, at the end of the With the, the girls day. as well. Eh? Girl. <laughs> I mean, I mean, those are the times when you score a goal and the, the whole crowd would be running towards you in, in, in the field. Girls would be kissing you. And, and, and it, it was so exciting. And we'll all be looking forward to go back to school the next day. You know, and some of them, those kids who love as well to follow, to follow uh, in the footsteps, they couldn't wait, you know, to say, ah, I want to go to uh, shoes school. I want to go to, because of the legacy that we left, which is unbelievable. We will now hear some more from Lucas Radebe as he joins Asimo Ajian and Clarence Sadoff in a panel discussion on the school's game. Growing up in Ghana, man, did you have anything like this uh, as a child, as a kid? Uh, as a kid, um, I would say, um, okay, I grew up from a family where 
my mother, my mom was um, a headmistress. You know, so she was um, a bit strict on us, like um, guide us through education and everything. But um, not in a bad way. I was a stubborn child. I didn't like to to study. Although she was the headmistress, she wanted to guide us. So it got to a time I felt like, yeah, um, even if I want to play football, I just want to further my education to a certain level to be able to read contracts, to be able to understand a lot of things. You know, although I had the talent and everything, you know. So growing up, um, I love football, but education was also key, you know. So uh, me witnessing this event is um, very, very important, and um, I'm very, very happy to be part of it. And Terence, you're from the Netherlands. Um, how important is uh, an event like this? How important is uh, this program for Kevin? Uh, how does it uh, work for the future of football? First of all, uh, good afternoon to everybody. Um, secondly, uh, I'm from Africa first. Absolutely. Thank you. And then, then we can... Then you can talk about... Um, uh, obviously, uh, we always uh, appreciate uh, in our life who has contributed. And of course, the Netherlands has, uh, has uh, done a big deal in my life as well. But um, our focus is Africa and our people. So I think that uh, the journey that I'm seeing that has been started here is very uh, inspiring. Um, I've always believed in education uh, more than the, let's say, the academic part of it, but the education goes much broader than the academic part. And I think that that's what we're talking about here as well. And not just not just on the pitch, as you went as well said, but uh, all around. And I'm very proud of what I'm seeing here. I'm happy to be uh, here to support and uh, and see how, how this can grow into something very, very important uh, because we need more educated people in and around football, we need to increase this. Um, we know that only a few will make it to professional stage, but all the others need to be able to increase the professionalism around it. And that's, I think, what um, what is uh, the basis of, of what I'm seeing happening here. So I love it. Lucas, you grew up in Soweto, and um, as a young player, uh, people think that uh, you should only aspire to be a footballer. But you know, there are young referees, young reporters. How important is it to mix the two education and football? Yeah, um, good afternoon, all leadership. Yeah, um, uh, firstly, I think I'll, I'll, I'm talking on behalf of myself, possibly with everybody else. We share the same sentiment, especially as uh, former players, that it is an honor and a pleasure to be able, you know, to be involved in such a an amazing and a life-changing um, organization. And having football, having played the game coming from the dusty streets of Soweto in deep proof. And I think with loads of these youngsters, you know, we've got a lot in common. And I know that uh, we share and the same um, a vision and we share a the same sentiments of where we come from and what our background is. But uh, to be, for me as a youngster, I mean, like uh, you said that uh, we grew up under the guidance of our parents where education was top of, uh, top of the crop. Football wasn't recognized then because I remember my mother telling me that, you know, uh, football is just an excuse for parties, and, you know, when <laughs> uh, galavanting. Yeah, all over the place. But I think as a kid that had the talent coming from a very big family, because that's 
from Sarita, I mean, there was 10 of us, um, siblings. And each and every one of us grew up with education, which is very, very important. And football or sports came second. But we had the talent in us, which was natural. And I think the current generation, it's very, very important that uh, they should take this opportunity that we never had, but lucky to be here and being involved, you know, uh, you know, with the experience that we have that they can mix football and education at the same time, because knowledge is power. And we've learned from a lot of our leaders. Uh, Madiba has said that football can change the world. And not everyone can be a footballist, Clarence has said. We can all go and want to be marathoners, want to be, uh, but not all of us will reach the level that most of like, like Messi, Cristiano Ronaldo, but the values are the same. The values, whether you're a footballer, you're a nurse, or you become something else, the values are the same that we learn from the game, which is respect. Because you respect what you do, it respects you back. Whether you're in football or wherever you are, you give 100% effort, you reap the rewards. And, 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 and for us to have such a, an amazing uh, a competition, which includes the whole continent, it's, it's, it's so exciting that these kids in sport, it's elevated to the level where it's, they've been recognized, you know, not just in the field of play, like Clarence has said, but outside the field of play. And it's important that even the kids that who wanted to play football and who couldn't, and they can actually choose to do other careers like a referee. We need young referees. We need young managers, you know, and, and those are careers that are still in sports and that will elevate you to level and, and, and appreciate what footballers, referees go through, you know, when they're doing their job. And, and it's amazing. And, and I like to say that uh, such opportunities, not everyone gets. And whatever opportunities that you get now, take it in both hands and use it to the utmost of your opportunity. Asamoa Kefa has presented the opportunity to all these participants. What advice would you give to them going forward? Okay, um, my advice given to them going forward is simple. I think my um, fellow legends have said it all. Um, we did a couple of interviews. We did a lot of um, things. We said it all that uh, football is um, dedication. You need to dedicate yourself to the craft. But um, the most important thing also is the education because um, sometimes I count myself one of the luckier guys. Without education, I wouldn't be sitting here expressing myself, you know, advising the youth and um, and also the background that I came from. Uh, outside, we didn't get the opportunity like this generation. For example, um, for what we're seeing right now, I recommend Cafe Lot for what you've done because our time we didn't get that exposure. You know, we had to just play because we love the game. Now, I'm sure for what we're seeing today, they can even call their friends and say, we are going to play, just watch me on the television. And they will get that exposure. And it's an amazing thing. And as I said earlier, I'm so happy to be part of this. So my message to this generation is just if you want to play football, just dedicate yourself to the craft. If you want to be a referee, just dedicate yourself. And also, education is key. So it comes with the territory. You know, so um, that is my advice.
for this celebration. Thank you. Um, Asamoah was giving a message to the participants. What would you say to the instructors? Because they also play a very key role. Yeah, we, we probably could be the whole day here talking because uh, there's so much to say. Uh, but more than words, um, um, you know, we just heard knowledge is power, but it depends how you're going to use that power, whether whatever you're doing now is going to have a positive effect and leave a legacy. So um, once you have the knowledge, which will come, some already have it, the education goes beyond the academic one. I always say, what is the purpose? Why are you actually here? Why do I want to become educated? That why needs to be answered now, not after, because once you're in that position, once you have your education, then how are you going to be a referee? How are you going to be a teacher? How are you going to be a coach? With what kind of values are you going to stand your uh, part in the game? And I think that, that is the most um, important focus I would want to give, because I have no doubt that any participant here is already highly motivated, otherwise I wouldn't be here. But now once you're going to reach it, how are you going to elevate the others who are coming after you? How are you going to be an example for those who are looking up to you? That is how I at least try to uh, live my career, knowing that people are watching, knowing that young people are watching, knowing that other people might get some inspiration. So if you do the right things, they will get the right examples. If you do the wrong things, they will take the wrong as well. So this is what my uh, message would be. And of course, uh, all the best of luck. I'm very proud of what you're doing. Continue to do you know, more for, uh, for the community, which is, uh, which is waiting for you. Thank you. Thank you, man. Um... In terms of Lucas, uh, your last word? Yeah, uh, I think for the fact that uh, all of you are here, I think there is a reason behind that. As Karel said, that we have a purpose, all of us. And I'm glad that you guys have taken the initiative. Since we're here, you're showing the responsibility to say, yes, I can be counted. And that's the legacy that you need, you know, as a as a referee, as a sports commentator. I mean, Clarence was saying that it's great to leave a legacy, and that's what we live for, the values that were instilled. Uh, uh, today, I'm proud to be sitting here, and I think my president here, having played for the, having represented my country, it was the biggest thing ever. And if it wasn't for, for people like our president here, then Jordan, I wouldn't have that, this opportunity. And I think you guys as well, being the future of sport in different communities, you are empowering yourself. You are giving you, you giving you, you taking in what somebody else won't take from you. And I want you guys to say to you guys, go out there, share the knowledge, inspire. You've got brothers and sisters who would love to follow suit in what you guys do. Encourage them, inspire them, and be the role model that we aspire to be. Thank you very much. That's it for another episode of the Kusafa Show. We thank you for listening, and we'll be back with another show in a fortnight. Don't forget, you can listen to more of our podcasts on kusafa.tv, Spotify, and iTunes. You can also get the latest news via our website at www.kusafa.com and on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok.